This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George, for uh, an FA Cup third round special. Might be a slightly shorter one uh, today, uh, obviously. We just don't think there's a great deal of point in going mega deep in the data when we've obviously played the team 10th in the in the National League. You know, there's uh, there's not a lot of um, the data that can be applicable going into Albion's season um, or the rest of Albion's season. However, there, there were performances that definitely need some looking at, some analysis. And as, as the Who once said, Pete, the kids are all right. Um, the, the, it was a fairly young Albion side, certainly was by the end anyway. Um, at the start, it was just... Fenton Hurd and uh, and Tom Fellows, Caleb Taylor as well. We we should mention whilst he's a little bit more experienced after his loan at Cheltenham last season. Um, uh, he hasn't. I, I don't believe he started a game for the Baggies before um, in a in a uh, competitive game. Anyway, Josh Griffiths is still a young young lad. You know, we take this for granted. So there's uh, there was four young academy products in in the starting eleven for Albion, and there was a heck of a lot more than that by by the end of the game and. Whilst people will say, okay, you know, hold a shot with the Jewish respect to them are 10th in the league. I mean, 10th in the league is slightly um, misleading. They're, they're, they're one point off the playoffs with two games in hand. But nonetheless, they're still, they're not even comparable in the in quality to Chesterfield, who we played last season and obviously gave Watford a real run for their money yesterday. Um, Watford uh, are over 20 points clear of, um, of all the shots. So it is a bit apples and oranges in that sense. But you can only beat what's what's put in front of you. And, you know, we saw... Uh, we 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 saw Plymouth um, really really struggle to a victory against Sutton, who are uh, who are, I believe are bottom or second bottom of the the entire football league. So there's no easy there's no easy games as the cliche goes, and we made this look relatively straightforward. And we also managed to blood a couple of youngsters from the start. We also managed to um, blood a couple a few youngsters further down the line. And and the obviously obviously the added bonus of that is that we managed to take off some senior players, uh, Alex Moat uh, particularly withdrawn with quite a lot of time left to go. So we managed to give a rest to, to some players and to be honest, Pete, all, uh, whilst we're not going to get massively carried away about beating Aldershot 4-1, nothing but positives today, is there? Yeah, um, really positive. Um, I think you got to say, to start off with, Corbran got the selection spot on. Um, we had enough experience in, in key areas to kind of to help the academy graduates along and without having to risk any players that have played a lot of minutes. So um, I think he got that perfect. And, and it, obviously the, the lead in the first half allowed us to to give a bit more rest to players in the second half, like Moat, who's played a lot of games recently, and Bartley even went off as well. Um, so I think the selection was spot on, and it was good for us Albion fans to see um, some of the, the young prospects that we've got. There was a few that impressed. I think 
Obviously, Tom Fellows had an excellent game, but we've seen a fair bit of him recently. Um, but I thought Fenton Hurd had a was very good in midfield. Um, and to well, to be fair to everyone, I think everyone that came on had a, a pretty good game. So yeah, nothing but positives. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about uh, Corbran getting the blend right there, and he certainly did that. As you say, a bit of a bit of a mix of uh, experience. Some players who've been on the cusp of things, whether that's Pippa, whether that's Eric Peters, whether we're talking about um, uh, Nathaniel Chalaber in, in, in midfield. Josh Griffiths, of course, hasn't hasn't been able to play any football this season due to the incredible form of Alex Palmer. So it, it was an opportunity to give them game time. Uh, it was also he he did have to put a couple in there who've been quite big first team players. Alex Moa um, played, Carl Bartley played um, a portion of the game and then was swapped out for Cedric Kippery, which seemed very pre-planned to be honest with you. And then after that, it, he he he's, he sort of put a smattering of youth around that. Um, just just one interesting sort of thing in the in the team selection that um, uh, Adam Reach, it'd be interesting to know whether, whether Moa would have been risked if Adam Reach had been available, but apparently felt tightness after the Swansea defeat and uh, Corbrand took a decision not to not to risk him uh, for, the, uh, for this particular game. So I think he's one that Corbrand would have liked to have got minutes into, but couldn't. Um, but other than that, you know, he only really had to risk three real, real senior players in terms of players who played a lot of minutes for us this season in Mowat, Kipre and Bartley. And not a single one of those played the full 90. So really, really good from, from that point of view, getting the getting the blend right. Obviously, one that we hope will start to play a lot of minutes going forward uh, before we come to the younger players, Pete, it, although he's not an old player by any stretch of the imagination, is Daryl DK, who we saw the return of. Obviously went off injured against Stoke City last season. We haven't seen him since. So absolutely massive to see him back in an Albion shirt. But he was more than just back in an Albion shirt. Again, you know, respecting who the opposition were, I, I realise that this is not the most difficult opponent that Daryl DK is going to face up to this season but I thought he was I thought he was superb I thought the way this is not a criticism of Brandon Thomas Asante or anybody else who's played in the nine but we haven't got anybody else who is a powerhouse with their back to goal we haven't got anybody else who wins headers in the same way who is a physical presence in the in in the penalty area and i think also panics defenders a little bit you you look at jovan malcolm's goal and and i think there's an element of feeling dk breathing down his neck and knowing what dk can do to a defender that if if he ends up going shoulder to shoulder with him it may well be a battle that he's going to lose and and i and i i just thought it, whilst it wasn't vintage Daryl DK, because I thought until his goal came, you could see that he's been out a while and that there was a lack of sharpness there. He missed a couple of chances. You could tell he was a, he, he was a bit annoyed with himself. There was one really really good chance for, from a corner with a with a header that he probably should have done better better with. But when his goal came, it was like this huge weight lifted off uh, off his shoulders. He was just delighted, and and the next thing he did was uh, was try a really speculative but quite fun effort from but it was fully 25 yards wasn't it which to be honest the keeper did well in the end to turn around the post and I just thought it was a massive massive day for for Daryl DK I thought we missed him in the second half as well we didn't have that that focal point and I didn't think we saw as much out of the likes of Hurd and Malcolm as we as we had in the first half without DK there there wasn't as as much presence trying to get on the end of Tom Fellow's um, uh, crosses either and I just thought it was a big day for him, Pete. And 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 that the moment, the goal. One of the things that really, really annoys me about some football fans is that they have a tendency to blame players for getting injured. If you if you want to know how much frustration Daryl DK has carried with him over the last few months, not being able to be involved in in West Bromwich Albion games, knowing that this is another massive injury that that he has uh, that he has suffered whilst at the club, then just look at his celebration for the um for for his goal. Because that is a man letting it all out. That is a man saying, I have waited months and months and months for this, that that this is the only thing that I want to do. I just want to play football. And 
the fates haven't allowed me to, but I, uh, but I am back now and I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I know it's easy to get frustrated. We've spent a lot of money on Daryl DK and he spent a lot of time injured on the sidelines, but I cannot emphasize this enough. It's not his fault. He didn't have, and I, this, this rubbish that people come out with uh, about his weight and that he brings this upon himself because he's too built come off it i mean first of all uh, i'd love i'd love to see your sports science degree or your medical degree and second of all dk had no record of injuries before before he 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 came he came to albion he's just he's just had a lot of bad luck you know you go you go back to the injury he suffered against uh, against i think it was peterborough and that comes just after um, just just after a break in play, obviously the one against Stoke comes from the the way he 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 landed, um, and you know, he, and then he's obviously had one in training. Obviously, haven't seen that. We don't know. We don't know quite what happened there. But these things happen. Sometimes, sometimes players have have bad luck with injuries. But Daryl DK, he wants to be out on a football pitch. There's no lack of commitment from Daryl DK. There's no question in my mind that. Daryl DK is not doing all the right things on and off the pitch, other than obviously putting fairy liquid in his dishwasher, which, you know, let, let's not even go there. Um, but, but, but other than that, he's doing all the right things on and off the pitch for me. He seems like a totally and utterly committed pro. And do you know what? It was such a beautiful moment to see him be able to celebrate like that in front of the Brummy road. Yeah, it was brilliant to see him celebrating and you could, really see the amount of relief and imagine the hard work that he's put in over the last couple of months and, and how tough it's been for him to be sat out injured for so long. And, you know, he, he wants to play football. He's not happy when he's injured and, and sitting to sit and watching the football. He wants to be out on the pitch and playing. And it's really great to see him back. And I think he can have a massive impact for Albion um, in the second half of the season because in the championship, I think he'll score a lot of goals. Um and he's a real nuisance to defenders. He's not only well, his goals to minutes last season when he played was really good, wasn't it, Pete? Yeah, and it's the same for when he was on loan at Barnsley. He gets a lot of chances. He usually has one of the highest expected goals per ninety among the Championship strikers, and he scores a lot of goals. Um, and as well as being a target and just really strong, he's got a bit of pace about him. Um, I think that goes a bit unnoticed because he's got such a big build. Um, He's reasonably quick, good on the counter attack. He's a finisher as well. You look at that one today, Pete, and that was that was instinctual, wasn't it? That was that that was a, a snapshot finish. But that's that's what he brings. And uh, you know, it's for all Brandon Thomas Asante's qualities, he's not he's not a natural born finisher, is he? But I, but but I think that Daryl DK is. Yeah, obviously he'll miss chances as well. But I think he said. In one of his interviews after the game, DK, I think one of his lines was that he comes alive when he's in the penalty box. Um, and that's very true for his general game. You're not going to expect too much of him. Um, well, he stays not... in those areas as well, positionally, doesn't he, Pete? And how many times this season have we said, if DK was in there, when balls have fizzed across the box, just how many times have we said, if DK was in there, he is... he he He, he, he stays in those very, very high positions. Yeah, when we've got possession in the in the attacking half, he's going to be, you know, within the the lines of the uh, penalty box, and he's going to be waiting for those chances and trying to sniff those chances out. And he's got that presence about him as well. If you're a centre back trying to pick him up, you know, he's he's six foot something and and yeah, just a massive build. So it's it's something for defenders to think about. He's going to be in there to get chances. Um, you're not probably not going to see too much of him in terms of passing or anything. That's not his game. His his game is. He can be a bit of a target and build up. He can get him behind, and then when you get into the box, he's going to sniff out chances and score some goals. So it's a real relief to see him back. Um, I think, yeah, for the second half of the season, he'll, he'll score us a fair few goals in the championship. And to be honest, Brandon's probably thanking him for getting back because it offers him a bit of rest in some games. You'd imagine um, they'll be rotating in and out like they did in the second half of last season. Um, so it probably allows Thomas Asante to to get a bit more rest and maybe a bit be a bit fresher when he gets to play his games. A big day for Daryl DK. Was it a big day for Tom Fellows? I, and this is not, not putting down what Tom has done already this season, but I kind of felt like today we saw a boy become a man when, in terms of, in terms of um, Tom Fellows almost leadership role in that game. Again, I know it's against Aldershot, 
But for a young player, which Tom Fellows is both in terms of age and in terms of in terms of games. I mean, you know, let's let's not forget this. It, there's there's different there's different types of of young player um, because there's the there's the type that's um, that's played you know a lot of football by the time they're 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 twenty and Tom Fellows is only is only twenty and then and then there's the the, the type that hasn't um, and and Tom Fellows at present is the type that hasn't played a heck of a lot of uh, a lot of games you know uh, we're we're talking. 38 league two games and by no means all of them starts only 2247 minutes we're talking now 14 championship games but again only 346 minutes so i mean you know just just to put that into perspective that's um that's less than four four full games um so he hasn't he hasn't got loads and loads of football under his belt by any stretch of the imagination and yet today I just felt like he took that game, Pete, by the scruff of its neck and he was unbelievable. He demanded the ball from the first minute to the last. I thought some of the some of the balls that he was putting in were were absolutely brilliant. The pullback for Chalaba's goal is fantastic, but it was more than it was more than just the one that ended up as an assist. It was all game it was constant it was incessant and there was a mix of what he was doing he was getting to the byline and he was pulling balls back he's um it, he was doing little clip balls to the back post for Malcolm who is surprisingly good in the air I have to say and I I just thought whilst Tom is I think I'm not certainly not going to go as far as one dimensional that would be ridiculous but he um he he wants to he wants to drive down the line the vast majority of the time that's the, that that's predominantly his game but when he gets down that line facing up the the fullback and i have to say that fullback will have nightmares about tom fellows tonight because i thought he had him on toast from the first 5 minutes there's a good variety in what tom can then do with the ball he can he can fizz it low he can pull it back he can um he's he's got a little trick in him to get a little bit further as well he can clip it to the back post when he's got dk in there he can try and seek him out and he and the other thing that we found out in the second half that he can do is he can come back inside and shoot as well and that's was the keeper uh, 100% should have done better with that and I'm I'm not sure it's entirely a coincidence that keeper looked quite a lot like David Button um but uh, he did definitely do better with it but it's still to sit the defender down and then to get the shot away I thought was brilliant from Tom Fellows and he I tell you what out of everybody on the pitch he he deserved his goal so so much and I mean Pete just coming back going full circle to where I started did we see the the birth of Tom Fellows the senior footballer today did we did, as i say did did we see a young player become you know a really grown up player today it certainly felt like it when you when i was watching the game it it didn't feel like he was one of the the young players on the pitch um it felt like he got the experience of playing a fair few minutes in the championship and yeah it felt like a, a very senior performance and he took control of things um definitely didn't hide and Created chances, obviously got his assist, got a goal, um, yeah, and showed a, showed a bit bit more of what he can do with his goal as well. It was nice to see him cut back onto his left foot and and finish. Um, I'm not sure he's there because yeah, we don't see a lot of Tom on his left, do we? He he's he's looked very right footed up to this point, but so it was nice to see him do something really good with his left, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and I, I was going to say <laughs> I'm not sure his crossing was so good um, against Aldershot with his left foot. There was a couple of them that looked a little bit over hit, but. Um, good to see that the finish was was nice and controlled. Um, and it's on the uh, the Albion social media. And he defended medias. when he needed to as well. Sorry, Pete. I was just going to say because it's worth noting he he was a wing back. I know we didn't defend a lot, but he was a wing back. Yeah, he got back and and did his defensive work. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't where I expected him to play when I saw the lineup. But yeah, maybe that was a test from Corran to to see how it would work with him there and whether it's an option. And I think I think it worked. Obviously, Aldershot weren't too much trouble. Um, to defend against it's not like well i mean is that how it is there in in the national league we're usually playing championship opponents so it's a big difference in quality but what he was asked to do fellows did well and, and had the energy to get forward and be a real threat up the pitch as well and i was just going to say that um fellows did a an interview on the albion social medias I think six or seven minutes long and it was interesting to see him talk about learning off 
the other wingers in the squad. Um, when you mention sometimes he can seem a bit one-dimensional. He says he's trying to take things out of everybody else's games and put them into his own. So Wallace with his crossing um, and getting that yard of space and putting a quality ball in. And then he said he also looks to try and take stuff out of Deanne Garner's game, who's got a bit more close control in tight areas and can take men on in, in crowded areas. So by the sounds of things, he's he's working on a lot of things to to make sure that he isn't just one-dimensional and predictable when he comes up against opponents and yeah, he just came off really well in that interview, and I thought it just made me even more hopeful for his a bit for um, his future and his ability, and and what kind of player he's going to turn out to be. So just I'm just hoping we can get him tied down to a contract because I think I'm right in saying it expires in the summer. It does and Corbrand spoke quite confidently um, in the week about about that one. I think that's I think that's absolutely enormous for us, isn't it, Pete? But I have to say I, I feel. Obviously, you feel like we need the we need the takeover to happen, but regardless of whether the takeover to ha- happens or not, it seems an absolute no brainer to tie down a player like Tom Fellows, who is only going to get better and better. And you feel like he wants to be here as well. You feel like it, you know it's his club. He loves it here. I mean, it, it would seem absolutely criminal if he if he ended up leaving. I don't think he will. I really don't think he will. And I and and as I say, Corbrand spoke about it in. Uh, I think it was in his um, in his Thursday or Friday press conference, and and he seemed pretty confident that they that they would be able to get a deal done. You know, there's there's a few, aren't there? Um, there's obviously him, Moat, Kipre. I mean, Moat and Kipre because of probably what they would cost. You, you need you probably do need the um, the takeover over the line before you can start handing out two three two three year deals to guys like that. But Tom Fellows is one that has to happen and has to happen as soon as humanly possible, isn't it? Yeah, when you've got talent like that in your academy, well, not in the academy anymore, but come up through the academy. Because um, we don't you... need to see him playing for Villa. No, exactly. We've had enough of them. Speaking about that, Finazaz has just gone on a permanent to Middlesbrough and had we got a bit of, bit of money in the bank, it's one that I'd love to see back at Albion because um, I think he's a really good player. But when you've got players like Tom Fellows coming through the academy, yeah, they're the kind of players you want to get tied down before other clubs start sniffing about and... I'm trying to take them off your hands for free because um, as I say we've had a few of them happen in the past and especially in the championship when you know you've not got the biggest budget for transfers if you can bring players through the academy for free it's it's perfect and you know Tom Fellows is a real talent that's come through and emerged this season and um, yeah hopefully we can see him playing for Albion in the, for the next couple of seasons. I think as well after today, Pete, we've maybe got a bit of hope for for a few others to play a few more minutes. I mean, we've obviously got a bit of a bit of a problem in in the coming weeks um, in terms of the Afcon and uh, you know taking Dean Garner away. Sarmiento has been recalled. I think I think we we expect Sarmiento to be replaced um, in in the near future. I would I, I would suggest that certainly again the noises that Corbran made uh, after Sarmiento had gone back to Brighton very briefly and then bounce straight back out to Ipswich. I, I do think he will be replaced or at least we will get another forward player in, whether it's quite exactly the same as Sarmiento remains to be seen. And I don't think this player is as ready as Tom Fellows by any stretch of the imagination. But I have to say, yet again, I liked what I saw from from Jovan Malcolm. Um, or, uh, the, 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 um, I'm going to have to check that because the the um, the pitch announcer pronounced it as a very soft J. I think it was Jovan. So um, it, if anybody on social wants to wants to give me the phonetic spe- uh, phonetic pronunciation of um, uh, of, uh, of Jovan Malcolm's first name, I, I, I think by using a hard J, I think I'm actually getting it wrong. As I say, I think it might be Jovan. So I need to I need to check that out. But nonetheless, regardless, Jovan Jovan. And what I'm about to say is positive, so I'm sure he'll let me off. His record for West Bromwich Albion in senior games is two goals in 165 minutes, Pete, which is obviously, for those of you who are quick at their maths, better than a goal a game, um, which is extremely impressive. And I thought first half, I thought he was really, really good. I thought second half, he kind of... Uh, Malcolm through the middle did not uh, did did not work for me uh, at all, and it wasn't. It, he, he's. I don't think he is a nine. I don't think he can. Uh, certainly at this moment in time, I don't think he's ready to play championship football there. But 
I would not be overly concerned about seeing Malcolm giving us 15, 20 minutes at the end of games off the left. I think I think there's a player there. I really do. And and uh, as I say, he's not he's not Fellows level at this moment in time. But then Tom Fellows wasn't Tom Fellows level before preseason. It was only it was only game time in, in the first team that that gave him that. That was a really neat finish from Malcolm today. That, that again, it wasn't the finish of a youth team player who's who's barely got any any minutes under his belt. Like I say, 165 minutes for for Albion, been out on loan to Cheltenham, admittedly, but not played a great deal there either. That wasn't the finish of a guy who's not played a lot of senior football. That was that was a composed quality finish. And as I say, I don't feel like by any stretch of the imagination he's ready to start games because the the difference between Malcolm and Dean Garner is night and day. It really is, you know. I mean, like we're we're talking one of the best attacking players in uh, in the championship versus a guy who has 165 minutes in the uh, in in senior football for West Bromwich Albion, and the majority of those have uh, have come against two non-league sides. So you know, let's not get over carried away here. But my point is, if you're saying, would I be worried? about um Jovan Malcolm coming off the bench for 15 20 minutes when we when we need another attacking option in in that wide left position absolutely not i wouldn't be worried about that i think i think there's a player there and i think i think in short bursts at this point in time and the fact that he's played for us today uh, obviously um and the fact that he's come back from Cheltenham means he's not going anywhere else by the way because fifa rules stipulate that you cannot play for more than two teams in any given season so he's played for two teams the only possible place he could go is back to Cheltenham and I don't think that's going to happen so he's back at West Bromwich Albion for the rest of the season realistically speaking and I wouldn't be afraid to give him minutes off the bench Pete would you no I I wouldn't um I'm not not entirely sure where he'd fit in because I'm not sure if Corbran would trust him to do the defensive side of things as a winger being so young and being a very attacking player and not having spent too much time Working under Corbran, uh, yeah, I'm not sure Corbran would trust him to do the defensive side of things. Um, you know, often when we're defending, we're in a four-four-two, and those two wide men have to do a lot of work and have a fair bit of responsibility to keep us solid. So again, I wonder if the the shape against Aldershot was partly a test to see to see if things would work with specific players. Like I mentioned, Tom Fellows before playing as a wing back. I think the best position for Malcolm at the minute would probably be as kind of a, a left forward, left winger kind of thing in a in a three-four-three, three, where he's got so, so not bit... Malcolm in the middle, then not Malcolm in the middle. I don't think so. No, not yet. <laughs> Couldn't let that one go. No, yeah, um, I don't think he was. Didn't really stand out in the second half um, when he was playing centrally. Um, looked a lot better out wide, where he can kind of isolate defenders a bit more and take them on, and then work the ball onto his right foot when when he gets into the right situation to try and get his shots off. So yeah, I think that's probably the the position that would most suit him if we could play a three-four-three three and have him as the left man of that forward line. And it wouldn't mean that he's got—he was not really relied upon as being the the main attacking outlet. We've still got a number nine in there, probably DK or Tom Sante. So I think it was promising. He struggled a bit for Cheltenham when he did get minutes. Um, he played—I think he played about five nineties or the equivalent of five nineties for Cheltenham in the league this season. But he didn't get any goals, um, so it wasn't too much of a threat. But saying that, I think it was Cheltenham that. Didn't score a league goal for about ten games. Um, so he that's wasn't the correct. Only one. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 went like the whole of the start of the season without scoring a goal. So I mean, being a f- and and then they fired their manager and suddenly they they looked like a completely different side. So I mean, you you've got to feel that it was less about um, Malcolm and more about Cheltenham and their completely inept approach to attacking games. Yeah, exactly. So he wasn't the only one struggling there, but um, even. Even before playing Aldershot, I think he was tied down to not going out on loan again because he played for us in the Carabao Cup before before he went to Cheltenham. Um, so as soon as we recorded him, we knew we'd got him for the rest of the season, which, yeah, it's not a bad thing at all. He can, he's a player that can can get a few minutes off the bench, I think. Um, and we've not really got too much depth in wingers at the minute with injuries and um, AFCON. So I think there will be minutes there for Malcolm to, to get. And, yeah, he's... Importantly, he's played senior football and not a, a ton of it, but he's got minutes out on loan in the past and it's not like he's coming straight from the academy where he's inexperienced with, with senior football. So I think Corbran will have a little bit more trust in 
given him minutes than maybe some of the other academy products. Um, so yeah, it's he's a he's a decent option to have off the bench. I think um, when we're quite short of players. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Obviously, the two young players that we've spoken about so far, neither of them were making their senior debut for West Bromwich Albion. There were five senior debuts, though, um, there was uh, Whitwell, Higgins, Love and Shaw um, with, I would say, uh, varying degrees of uh, of success with those four substitutes. Um, uh, very difficult for most of them because the, the majority of them replaced a pretty experienced player. And I, th- I thought in the second half we... We struggled a bit more going forward because we, we obviously had taken DK out the game. We we then went and took Mowat out the game as well. And um you know, obviously poor old Leighton Love will be having having nightmares about that about that chance. But to his credit, he's done really he's done really well to make the run and he's won some big headers as well. I mean he's he's certainly an aerial presence. There's no two ways about that. And um Whitwell, I I thought the problem is you're filling Mowat's shoes in there, and 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 the, a young a young kid is never going to be able to fill Alex Mowat's shoes because he's one of the best midfielders in the entire championship. And uh, but he played a lovely, lovely ball through for the uh, for the for the goal. Um, I, I I didn't think Higgins really really got in the game, but again, much trickier for him. He he didn't he suddenly didn't have. Um, DK up front, he had Malcolm uh, in the centre forward position, who, like I say, was just not as uh, not as effective as he was out wide. So I think that contributed. And then Shaw was a bit later on in the game, so uh, you know, understandable. We didn't see so much of him. So the four substitutes, varying degrees of success. Pete, the one who I thought had real real success though in the game was was Fenton Hurd. And I'm going to throw to you on this because. You messaged me actually very early on in in the game and just remarked uh, to me that you were just you were just staggered by how much Fenton Hurd just was brave and demanding the ball constantly, and I just thought he had a really really good it, I would say good first half in that number ten position. I thought he I thought he faded a lot more um, as we went into as we went into the second half, and like I say, our our attacking options weren't as abundant, but. In that first half, and certainly like the first half an hour, where we where we really kind of blitzed um, all the shot and, and blew them away, I thought for a, for a for a kid who's never played for us before, for for him to just be demanding the ball, I, I thought your point was absolutely bob on, and and it it was then what he did with the ball as well. He was doing he was doing good things. He was playing clever passes. He was playing brave passes as well. I was I was, I was really impressed, not just by his ability but by his attitude yeah and I think I think I said to you after we finished recording last week that I was hoping we'd see him in this game um because apparently he's been playing really well for for the youth teams this season so to see him and to see how he how he wanted he was just desperate to get involved um he was always demanding the ball and when he did get it he, he would usually receive it on the half turn really well and then play forward and um, there was a couple of one twos that he played um played one for the goal with Tom Fellows for Chalaba's goal um, which was just he found himself in a, a pocket of space and played the one two perfectly weighted and Tom Fellows put in a brilliant ball. Um and it was just really promising to see how brave he was um to get on the ball in tight areas and receive it on the turn and I think yeah technically he was, was really good, didn't give the ball away cheaply and just looked a really good player. I think there was times when he sometimes got in the way a little bit when he was demanding the ball because he was a bit too desperate to get on the ball. I think he was like in the way of 
passes to to players that are in better positions. But yeah, the attitude he showed was really promising, and and the actual ability on the ball was really good as well. So he was looking like a a real number ten. It's just I think sometimes is 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 he wanted to get involved a bit too much sometimes, and just needs to be a bit more aware of his surroundings. But yeah, he can't fault him for the attitude and the actual stuff he did when he got the ball. So yeah, it was another one that was really promising and. Hopefully we get to see a bit more of him. Hopefully it's maybe in the next cup game, depending on who we draw, I guess, and hopefully he can continue his development. Uh, in terms of his development, Pete, I mean, he is he's quite a small, slight lad. Do, does it does that concern you? Do, you? do you do we hope that we not only see his development in terms of a player, but see his development in terms of him physically for the championship? Because we know what a physically demanding league it can be. Yeah, partly, but also it's... You know, you can have small, slight players that are, are very good. I mean, Grady Diangana isn't a big build at all, um, and he's still very good. He still gets involved. Um, you know, he does his defensive work, and as long as you, you learn how to use your body correctly, I don't think the build is too important. Um, and I suppose it's fair to say as well, Pete, that he he must have a lot about him because quite often they're, they're, they're the first ones to get released, aren't they? The, the, the smaller ones. How many, how many times have we heard uh, players who were, who were released early say, oh, I was told I was too small. I was too, I was too slight. So if he's been, if he's been kept on, then they, they must, they must be looking because they're not, they're not looking at the physicality. They're looking at the talent, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's happened a lot in the past um, of youth teams wanting to, to win games there and then rather than looking at, how good a player is technically they look at um the physicality and whether they can impact games right there right there but you know if you've got the ability then i don't think the build matters too much um yeah Hurd didn't look out of place in in the game against Aldershot um he didn't look weak um he didn't look like he was too small to play um i think he used his body really well when he was receiving on the half turn and yeah like i say he didn't look like he was he was playing in senior football when he's not ready to so hopefully he can you know, keep developing this season and, and maybe we can find him alone uh, next season to, to continue that, that development and, and play senior football for a full season rather than just, just the, the 75-odd minutes that he got against Aldershot at the weekend. I mean, going to the other end of the experience spectrum, but I just want to just want to give a bit of a shout out to to uh, to one player. I mean, there's there's a few that we could that we could talk about. I thought Carl Bartley was really really good at centre half. By the by the way, love to see Carl Bartley Ballon d'Or trying to score from the halfway line. That's unbelievable. Didn't think I did, I did not think uh, that that would be something I'd be able to mention today, but uh, but he did. He did um, Ballon d'Or trying to uh, to earn his name, but. Um, and uh, uh, just Chalaber is the one that I just want to give a little shout out to because I thought he was excellent, but also he was the one who didn't come off. He was the one that uh, he was the one that really marshaled a young team through the game. And I, and I, I think a lot of things get leveled at, uh, at Nathaniel Chalaber. I'm not entirely sure why all of the time. Um, and you know there seems to be a narrative sometimes built up uh, around Chalaber that he's not. He's not a team player. He's not this. He's not that. And I, I thought he was. He, he he managed those young players really, really well through the latter stages of that game. I've heard a few stories about Chalaba, by the way, uh, from people that I really, really trust that completely blow that myth out of out of the water. That he's one hundred percent bought into the Corbran way of things. That he's you know he's not losing his head over the fact that. It seems to be his turn to have a little bit less game time, but I think he's played an important part, and I thought he played an important part today. His finish is unbelievable, by the way. That is, wow, what a what a goal that is! Right into the top corner, just an absolutely fantastic finish. But I, I, I think, I think the last season we we ran the numbers on him, Pete, and we we said, look, he's he's just not contributing. He's not really contributing in games. I think that because people got it in their head last year that Chalaba was a poor signing and he was he was last season he just he wasn't he wasn't at the level required he wasn't contributing to the to the level that we needed and and he didn't look like a good signing but you cannot let what happened last season influence your view on what is happening this season and you look at what Chalaba is doing when he's on the pitch this season and he's much much better isn't he and i think whilst he's he, he's nowhere near the level of Yukoslu and Moat but that's not a criticism because Yukoslu and Moat have been absolutely incredible and, and are immovable objects in terms of 
that that that, that central midfield pairing. I, I I think he's contributed. I think he's contributed big time in games. I th- I think back to the QPR game where I thought he was tremendous. I thought he was good away at Coventry. Obviously, his shot gets away and gets us the goal. There's been a few times when I've watched Chalaber and I've thought, actually, when you play, you are contributing in ways that you weren't last season. And I th- and I, and I and I think it's easy to take today for granted and say, well, Nathaniel Chalaber should be playing well against Aldershot because it's massively below his level. Yeah, but how many times have we said that in 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 those sorts of games and and not had Albion players in the past turn up? You know, how many times have we played League Cup games or FA Cup games against lower league opposition and thrown in players who haven't had game time for a few weeks, few months, whatever it might be, and they've not contributed. They've not turned in the level of performance that is expected of them. I thought Chalaba did today. I think he has largely contributed when he's been called upon this season. I thought he showed good leadership to guide a young side through the latter stages of, of that game. And I don't think he would have been entrusted with that role if, if Corbrand didn't trust him as a leader for, and an example for those young players. And... Yeah, I I just think he's I think he's I think he flies under the radar just a little bit underrated at times Pete for his uh, for his contributions this season in the, in in that squad. Yeah, I think that maybe the thing is that he doesn't he doesn't do loads of things that kind of really show him up as as kind of noticeable when you're watching a game or even even in the data a lot of the time, but he kind of just keeps the keeps the the game ticking and his technical ability is really good. You saw it with the goal. Um, he took the finish really well after the ball had bounced up, took on the volley. And the goal that he set up, I think it was for Grady. I can't remember who it was against now, but the one where he just went around a man, sat him down and then just yeah, it back Yeah, Q- to... QPR at home. Yeah, and the techni- he's yeah, a very technical player and can show that he, he doesn't usually give the ball away very easily. Um, he's a little bit different to the the other three as well, isn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, Moat, he just keeps the ball moving all game and just kind of sets the tempo. And, and obviously, Molumbi's full of energy. Um, and he's just been, well, this season, he's had a bit of a different role, really. He's generally played as a 10. He's been making a lot of runs in behind and stuff. Um, is obviously the, the real defensive one. But Chalabur just, yeah, it's hard to put your, your finger on exactly what he is. Um, but yeah, it doesn't give the ball away, away very easily. Um, has a lot of ability. Um, I mean, even against Aldershot, he made a few runs in behind, put a couple of crosses in. You can see that he's played in the Premier League before. Um, I mean, he's even won the Premier League before, won the Championship. Yeah, you can see that ability. It's just sometimes hard to notice unless you really look out for it, which I think maybe why he does sometimes get underappreciated. Because this season, I think he's he's been good. Last season, like I say, he didn't he didn't really cover himself in much glory. Um his performances weren't great and like I say when when there's not a lot you do that really stands out, it's harder to appreciate performances for what they actually are. Sometimes you can can have a really good game, go under the radar, but because you've not done anything to stand out, um people kind of see it as you having a poor game and not impacting the game enough, which isn't always the case. And I think that's kinda of happens a lot for Chalaba, but against Older Shot he yeah, he marshaled the youngsters through the game and, and probably made well, definitely made it easier for everyone. Um he allowed I imagine for Fenton Hurd to have the players like Chalaba, Moa, um, DK around him, allowed him to have a much better game than maybe what he would have done if he it got two two midfielders behind him that were just Academy graduates that hadn't played much first team football, having those senior pros around you that you know have got that much ability makes it so much easier for the young players to have a good game and show what ability they've got as well. Does Corbrand's signings overall get a little bit underrated? Because I saw somebody throwing around a bit of criticism for, for Corbrand saying his, his, the, the business we've done under Corbrand hasn't been that great. I mean, first of all, I'm not really sure what people expect with zero pounds to spend. I mean, we haven't, we haven't spent a penny under, under Corbrand in terms of a transfer fee, but when you actually look at what the players have done, I think Chalaber this season has contributed when he when he's needed to. I thought he was poor last season, but this season he's really stepped up. I think Pippa 
has done bits when he needs to, but I, I don't understand this whole thing of Pip as a poor signing because he hasn't played a lot of football. We've we've got the most clean sheets in the division. Why why do you expect Darnell Furlong to get dropped? I don't you know I, I don't I don't get this narrative. Like uh, just because the guy in front of him is playing really well, he becomes a poor signing. It seems ridiculous. What we've seen of Pippa looks decent. So you know rate him on that rather than the fact that he's not playing, which is not because. Not because he's poor, but because the guy in front of him is doing really, really well. Masha looks a good, a good signing, um, but unfortunately he's been injured. But when again, when he has played, he's looked decent. Sarmiento, it didn't quite work, but then we got a bit unfortunate with that. He got injured almost straight away when he, when he was getting into the side. He didn't quite fit in as well. Uh, I think Corbrand's comments that this last week have been a little bit telling. It seems like Sarmiento hasn't particularly appreciated the role he's been asked to play, and it seems like Sarmiento has to go back. So maybe there was a bit of a character issue there. I think the only one that's glaringly bad in terms of a signing, Pete, for me, is is Mark Albrighton. As I say, I, I don't, with, with a series of low and freeze. I don't think you can expect us to go and get, you know, the centre forward to lead our line for the next five years, or a, you know, a, an, an unbelievable flying fullback, or a, or or, or an, a, an incredible number ten who can pick balls like uh, like Kevin De Bruyne. I don't really know what people expect us to do in the transfer market at, the, at this moment in time, and it'll be interesting to see what we manage to do over the over the course of this month, because of course the the transfer window is is open. We're being linked with. You know, some big names we've been mentioned around Fabio Carvalho for one, but you know, you do worry that the teams that have more money, we got mentioned alongside Manuel Benson's name. Obviously, Kiefer Moore's been mentioned this week. I mean, look, the, the, there could be anything or nothing in, in any one of these, but you do worry that if in some circumstances, although Fabrizio Romano said the other day that, um, that uh, that um, Liverpool are not interested in the money side of it, but but purely where the best destination is for Fabio Carvalho. You do wonder with some deals that not every club is going to look at it that way, and uh, and and where 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 the club is not necessarily looking a hundred percent at the development of the player, but also looking at the financial value of the deal. That's where we will struggle a little bit. But I mean, I I just don't think we've done bad business under Corbran. On I think we've had an extremely limited budget, and we've brought in a good backup centre midfielder who's improved a lot this season. I think we've brought in a, a decent, versatile fullback who can play either fullback or either wide position. Really, he can basically play anywhere wide. I think we've uh, I think we we brought in Sarmiento, who's a bit of a. Um, a, a bit of an enigma, really. You know, we never quite saw the best out of him, but he, but he had a recurrence of injury. I think I think we brought in Josh Major, who I honestly believe, if he'd been if he hadn't had the injuries that he's had, he'd probably be leading our line at the at this moment in time. So he's, you know, he's a quality player. I, th- I think the only one that we really got a hundred percent wrong was Mark Albrighton, which let's be fair, we all celebrated when it happened and thought what a brilliant signing, but it just for whatever reason it just didn't work. So. I, I think I think the business gets over criticised, and I don't know what people expect with with, with no budget um, for for us to go and do. I think the fact that we've we've filled a few gaps and brought in some decent backup players who do contribute when they get on the pitch with zero pounds to spend, I think is good money. What do you, uh, sorry is good business. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I don't think we've done too bad uh, since Corbrand's come in. Um, obviously, importantly, um, it's not just Corbrand's job to recruit. We've got a recruitment team, head of recruitment, etc. So it's not just down to the manager. But on the whole, I think, yeah, I think deals have been... Well, that's the other thing that where people criticise him is the modern day is that is that the manager isn't the one that... He, he generally says, I need this type of player in this position. And then the recruitment team goes and finds him some options that they believe they could get in and he probably ends up signing off on one of them. It is is more the more the process than the manager actually going. The, 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 I saw Ange Postecoglou do a press conference. The, um, it was it was in the summer actually. It was when Harry Kane was definitely going to um, go, going to um, Bayern Munich. And and they the, the the journalist asked him a question. He said, "Have you given Daniel Levy a, a list of names that you want to replace him?" And and Postecoglou just snorted and went, "It doesn't work like that, mate." 
And that's where people get it wrong, isn't it? They think it's some people think it's football manager, basically. Yeah, a lot of the time it, you've got head coaches now rather than the managers. You've got whole teams that spend their entire day looking at who can we recruit, who's on the shortlist, and then you've got scouts watching them, um, recruitment analysts looking through data and everything. So there's there's whole teams of people looking at these players rather than just a manager who's got you know or a head coach even that's got a million other jobs that needs his attention um you can't expect carlos corbran to take training sessions um analyze performances analyze oppositions and then also look at be completely up to date and know well how does he go and watch players he's managing the team saturday tuesday exactly he's got a million a million other jobs to do he can't you can't expect him to be the the go-to for um every recruitment decision you've got people working all day that can put a lot more time and effort into it than than the head coach can. So without the with that out of the way, I think the deals that Corbran will have been involved in, but not probably not the the sole um person behind it. I think they've been decent. Obviously Albrighton turned out to be poor, but when we signed him I thought that was going to be a really good deal. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes it can all everything look perfect for when you sign somebody but you bring in, bring them in and it doesn't work for whatever reason. You know, he only had half a season to impress as well, so it's that's the other aspect of it. Um I agree with Jan Chalaber. Thought he was quite poor last season, but he's he's looking better this season and he looks um pretty reliable when he's on the pitch. Um so definitely don't have any complaints on that one. Which again might have been the case for Albright going back to that Chalaber last season, wasn't a fan of. This season I'm quite happy with him. So, you know, if you got Mark Albrighton for a bit longer, he might settle into the side and do a bit better. Um but Josh Madger, I think, was a really good signing, um, and it's a real shame that he he's had his injuries because I think it would be brilliant if we had him. Just a completely different option to the other strikers we've got. Um, and Pippa, Pippa, it's hard to judge because he's not played too much. You know, he's not had a kind of a run of games in the team. Um, but the fact that he's so, you think that's a weird criticism though of the signing that he's not played much. Sometimes, sometimes you can only play eleven of them each week, and you're not going to throw them in just because they haven't had minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, the players that have played ahead of him have been playing really well, and so far we've we've had a good season, so you're not going to take players out just to to see if the signing that you made is a good signing. Um, We've got Pippa in. He's he's done pretty well when he's been called upon off the bench, Um, and I think the biggest benefit we've seen with Pippa at the minute is, well, the two are that he's happy, or appears to be happy to be on the bench, he appears to understand what the situation is, that the players ahead of him are playing really well, and when he comes on, he he's not given anything else other than 100%. So to have that and to have a player that can um, slot into a number of different positions. When we signed him, I think everyone expecting him to be a right back or a right wing back, but he's played the majority of his minutes out on the left, whether that be as a left back, a left wing back, a left winger. So he's just, I mean, even against Swansea came on as a number 10. So to have somebody that's so... Uh, versatile is really important, especially when we've got so many players out injured. Um, he can cover a lot of positions, which even if he's not really shown, well, it's not that he's shown it, he's just not had the chance to show his ability. Having that versatility is really important in a squad. Um, so I think on the whole, that has been a good signing. And to get him on a loan as well is important with the finance, the financial side of it and the situation that the club's in. So I think, yeah, on the whole, the transfer business that we've done has been been fairly good. Um it's never going to be easy to work on a budget of basically zero. So what we have done, I think, has been fairly impressive. Lastly, Pete, a big win today, not just because, you know, when you draw a non-league team in the in the FA Cup, you just need to get past them. And not le- not just because we, we managed to get through it without playing many senior players, many players who've Play, uh, who play a lot for the first 11 and those that did play because we were so comfortable in the game we managed to rotate out they're, they're all reasons why today was a big win but an, another reason why it was a or or would have been a big win if Plymouth hadn't already won yesterday is that it obviously calls off a calls off another game uh, the game away at Plymouth on the 27th of Jan I mean the game was already off actually because Plymouth had got past Sutton uh, uh, on on Saturday afternoon but it just limits the amount of games that players will miss due to the AFCON and also that you know we've got we have got a few injuries at the moment we hope to have them back in a in a in a in a a short period of time some of them anyway I mean I think I think Joe Chapman did an article on it I think it was nine out ahead of this game 
Um, and then, uh, and that actually hits double figures when when you consider that Reach was unavailable because he was because he was injured. I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible injury list uh, out in terms of either injury or Afcon. Um, you know, being unavailable because they're playing at the Afcon. So getting those players back, uh, Dean Garner and um, and Ajayi will be big from uh, from that tournament. And just because I actually went through the the um, the schedule of the Afcon to see how impactful it will be, what it means is that we are guaranteed to lose both of those players. Obviously, for the whole group stages, which means they will be unavailable for the Blackburn and Norwich games the the game at home to Blackburn and away to Norwich but now the Plymouth game on the 27th won't happen that will be an FA Cup game um if our players were to get through to the second round they would then on top of the group games only miss the FA Cup game if they got through to the second round and got knocked out if they got as far as the quarter finals then they would miss the Birmingham game as well. If they got as far as the semi-finals, it wouldn't make any difference because they would still only miss the Birmingham game. And if they got as far as the final of the AFCON, they would also add into that miss Ipswich away. So the maximum amount of games that Grady and Semi can miss now is four. And I think realistically particularly with with Congo who probably aren't expected to go all the way in the AFCON I think there's a fairly decent chance that actually Grady only misses two league games which which would be absolutely massive for us wouldn't it Pete yeah of course I mean Grady's been been very good this season been very important to the squad so the yeah every game that we've not got him will be a miss so hopefully that can be um, well, from an Albion perspective, hopefully that can be as uh, as few as possible. Obviously, you want him to do well and want him to, to have a good tournament with his nation. But, you know, we focus on Albion. So, yeah, the the fewer games that we can have without him, um, the better for us. And I'm the same with Chevy. I was just going to say, Pete, and looking at it, look, just looking at the bookmakers' odds now. I mean, you might lose Semi for a while. I mean, but they are um, they are the seventh favourite with the bookmakers, but um, Congo are actually 12th favorite so you wouldn't expect uh, whilst strange things can happen in a major tournament of course you wouldn't necessarily expect the 12th favorite team to get as far as the semi-finals would you no you wouldn't expect them to but you never know having the Plymouth game rearrange is going to be is going to be good for us um regardless and yeah hopefully we can get them uh Shemi and Grady back as soon as possible and hopefully everyone else that's out injured at the minute can recover as soon as possible because yeah, we've got we've got a squad that's looking thinner and thinner with every injury, and yeah, the the more players we can have available, the the better it is, and the more likely we're going to be able to keep up our our pace and keep up with the the top six. And fingers crossed, we can finish in a playoff spot come the end of the season. Absolutely, fingers crossed. That is the ultimate aim, and we continue that pursuit of a playoff place against Blackburn at home next weekend. Pete and I will be back then to um, uh, to uh, review that game, whatever the outcome of it, um, and, and possibly, possibly, maybe before then, if <laughs> if by some miracle of chance West Bromwich Albion go and sign a footballer in this uh, in this in this transfer window, we're certainly hopeful that the, that they might, because as I say, Corbrand's comments in the week were that he wanted two more in. He wanted a replacement for Jeremy Sarmiento and one other. He said he wanted one before Jeremy Sarmiento went. And now that Sarmiento is gone, he wants two. So we're very hopeful that by the end of January, we will have a couple of new faces in the building, as Darren Moore always used to say. Um, So we look forward to that and we will... and we will look to talk about those transfers as and when they happen. But what you can guarantee is that we will always give you our views on the game. So the next guaranteed pod will be after after Blackburn. And if we make a transfer, you might hear from us before then. You never know, you lucky, lucky people. But until then, thanks for listening and up the baggies.
Robin have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with the McNuggets share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.